Vedana feeling. Very primary source of intelligence. How we sense anything, how things first impact. Vedana feeling. Something contacts, feeling arises. Vedana. Vedana is associated with Veda. Veda is the Indian, classical Indian uh, word for the knowledges, the great knowledges for Vedas. Vedana is that which enables you to know. It's not intellectual knowledge, intellectual intelligence, it's uh, much more about that which moves you, that which penetrates, that which moves you. And this is considered more important than intellectual knowledge. Intellectual knowledge is about something. Six and six equals twelve. So what? (laughs) Vedana is about that which which touches you and moves you. So it's not something to be trivialized, because it's really you know, the mainspring of our motivations and actions, our reflexes, and it's the reflexive effect. Because you know, feeling you don't know you don't know anything. You don't really know anything apart from some ideas. Empty. But whenever contact occurs, there's feeling. So even the contact of thought feels like something. Thought can be interesting, exciting, pleasant feeling. It can be associated with despair, miserable feeling. Um, <coughs> we can enjoy it. The balance and speed of thought can seem very exciting. When thought won't work, you can't figure something out, your mind is staggering, unpleasant feeling. So, so all the senses, including the mind, direct contact with chitta is feeling. Sight, sound, and so forth. Direct contact is chitta. Contact with chitta is feeling. But actually, sight, sound, and uh, smell and hearing don't actually contact the chitta. They contact the mind, manas, manovinyana, which then interprets that sight or sound as agreeable. And then the pleasant feeling arises. So really only have two bases. Mind base, mano, manovinyana, mind consciousness. Uh, and then body base, medium, tactile. So, so because these are where we get the signals that direct our lives. And the body base is very immediate, and that directs our life immediately in terms of security, or threat, or pleasure, or pain. That's the way it's supposed to be, because then we get immediate reaction, jump, jump away or grab something. So this body can bypass the thinking mind, because it's got to act very quickly. So body very sensitive to feeling. <coughs> the mind has to wait a minute, is that good or bad? It doesn't look so good to me. You know, a little bit of so that's called arriving in a perception, which means as an interpretation, this means that. That means that gesture means threatening, or that gesture means friendly. And oh yeah, and we get the feeling. So the mind acts as the 
interpreter experience and then feeling up gets pushed and then the reaction occurs, response occurs. Uh, so that's the mechanism system, uh, but of course it's not always accurate, particularly mental feeling, you know, bodily feeling something lands on you, oh no, it's just a fly, it's not, it's not a wasp, it's just a fly, you know, so you, you, know, you get that impact, but nothing much. Mental feeling because it's uh, to do with an interpretation of something, much more risky. Looks like pleasant, but is it? You know, is that food really nice, or is it just a piece of plastic? <laughs> you know, so perception is a guess, guesswork, based upon past experience. You know, this is where we get a lot of prejudice and bias because we see the present through the mind, the mind reviews the present in terms of the past, stored up memories. So you you can see people, see faces, interpret that as friendly or unfriendly depending on what we've learned in the past. Even more so, voice tones. Even more so, what people represent. You know, she reminds me of my mother. Could be an agreeable feeling. Could be a disagreeable feeling. But but that person's not actually your mother. He just looks like us. (laughs) So you know, we can have these interpretations. We don't even really recognise them. That. we're responding to a perception, not the actual thing in itself. <clears throat> but that's the way it goes. You know, the way the perception based uh, feeling, perception, feeling, and what happens next, you get some response is called sankara as an activation. Excited, happy, we get disappointed, we feel nervous, we feel I don't feel comfortable here. Don't like the way she's behaving. Agitation. This activation, something starts stirring. Sankara. And these sankaras again will be learned. Established on past strategies, how to avoid something, how to you know, you know, avoid something that's happening, a bit of defensive strategy or a burden strategy, how to, you know, how to manage this. These are not intellectually learned, they're reflexes. <coughs> Based upon past, <coughs> they get uh, embedded. They become established. <coughs> so I just remember, like uh, some of this is very tragic, really. I remember occasionally we had a young man who became a monk. He'd been living in the. Uh, Balkans. Balkans is an area of Europe, north of Greece. There's been a lot of wars and conflict and bombing. So he lived in this area. There was always bombs going off and people killing. So his whole system was was tuned to defence and escaping. So if we had a Sangha meeting, he could only manage to be in the meeting if he could sit in a corner away from the group. Two walls on either side of him, so he felt safe. You don't want to sit in the corner where the two walls met, so he got a wall on either side of him, he could sit back there. 
Otherwise, it's just a system which is not settled down, just feel too agitated. And so, unfortunately, is this kind of thing is not, not uncommon. So, people who've been in wars and soldiers generally have some kind of traumatic stress. Difficult nights, can't sleep, and the sound of something bangs and they jump their head for you know, an aeroplane going overhead and they duck. Because those sounds immediately trigger this reflex of defense and escape. The sound immediately perception, feeling, so come. So this is uh, common in various forms. You know, you feel frightened walking down the street at night because you, know, you don't feel comfortable. And, you know, so you only have to have one or two powerful events that, that trigger a powerful feeling and a system knows that and embeds defense, escape, strategy, because this is a matter of life and death, isn't it? And for some of the cases it can be less so, you know, we learn to, we've been difficult situations where we've been perhaps brought up in households where there was a lot of um, abusive behavior people learn to be timid, defensive, fearful. That's the way you survive. And of course, you can go the other way. In situations of generous generosity, safety, trust, warm-heartedness, people naturally feel quite comfortable with being with others, they enjoy other people's company, and feeling, oh, this is beautiful. Don't want to be on my own, I don't want to leave with these other people. Feel more comfortable in that. It's particularly associated with, with uh, village cultures where every child belongs to the whole village. So people, the little ones feel comfortable wherever they are. I remember one time we had a container, I think it was a container down Rwanda, and there were that many individual rooms, so these long halls which are dormitories, so people sleep 10, 15 people in a hall. And there's a few single rooms. So we thought, oh dear, I don't need to get single. So we've got a few people in the single rooms, and other people have to share the hall. And there's this Cambodian group turned up. And they so some people got single rooms. The people in the single rooms said, I don't know here on my own. So they all joined in in the big Group rooms, where there's about 30 people in the room, feeling very happy just to be with each other. That's where they felt most happy. But in, often we find in, in Western situations, people feel they want to be on their own, their own room. Um, so they feel more comfortable like that. And we had a Thai lay supporter, and she wanted to ask that if you do a retreat in one of our cooties in the forest. Cooties only you know, two and a half meters by two meters, it's not huge, maybe two and a half by two and a half. So she went to this country, she brought a friend with her. <laughs> they sit at the other end of the kitchen, facing the wall at the other end of the cootie, so they could just enjoy each other's company. And generally, for Westerners, that would be quite a challenge to be, to share that space with another person. But the perception was feeling more happy, sharing, and a bit more sort of lonely. Yeah. Lonely, don't like that. I mean, generally, the theme for our Western monks is oh, I just want to go off and be on my own. <laughs> I get peace and quiet and be on my own, feel more comfortable like that. You think, well, you know, this is not, this is quite embedded cultural reactions. So we had a, one of the monks, he was, you know, lived in a boarding school, boarding schools in Britain where you had a whole load of boys and you had to share a dorm, you're stuck in this school for, you know, a 
you know, four, 40 weeks of the year with all these other boys. And you're going to get up at the same time, go to the lessons, go exercise at the same time, eat the meal at the same time, get back in the dormitory at the same time, lights out at the same time, you're all stuck there with each other. <laughs> with the teachers going around making sure you behave yourself. So the idea of sharing the room with somebody else is <laughs> not, not a very comfortable idea because you get that sense of trapped <laughs> with people I don't really want to be with, nobody wants to be here because it means a loss of freedom. Yeah. So both of these, is both in, you can understand both of them, their interpretations, um, fundamental interpretations. But you don't want to let them rule your life. Ideally, you want to be adaptable. So, with people, fine. Without people, fine. You know, that's okay. Easy. But you can't just change a sankara as an act of will. You can suppress it, but some of these these are just basic reflexes. So we. Even more significant is the ones that tell us who we are. This is sankara, this is also sankara, mental formation. So that's, you know, what does that do? What does it do? It doesn't say, you know, are you feeling comfortable? Are you okay? Is anything needed to help? It really says, did you do this right or did you do that right? Are you doing it right now? Or you got it wrong? Perhaps it should be something better than this. You didn't do that very well. And it's your fault because you didn't do this and that and the other, you've got bad karma. Or you're just the other kind of person who really, really kind of, you can't really make it. Or you're fundamentally flawed, or you need to, you know, see you've got this sankara going on. Why do you have to tell yourself who you are? What, what, why do you need, what, what's that doing? What, you, you are, so what do you need this description of who you are? And this is a, such a strong sankara, because what it's saying, in some ways, is Make yourself adequate, good enough to be with others. So you're as good, you're doing the right thing. It's measuring against an idea of what people or the world would feel is is suitable. So you've got this background idea of a good person. So it's measuring against this notion. And that's a notion. It's not, it's not reality. The way we measure the, you know, the time or the day against what it could be like, what it should be like. Maybe a retreat. Oh, retreat means calm, peaceful, clear, mindful, focused. A little bit of bliss down there. So it hovers in the background. This is called a retreat. Oh dear. When you get that one in the back of your mind, somewhere, isn't it? This sankara kicks in and measures you in terms of this idea. which does no good at all. Just sets up critical attitude. Negative feeling, unpleasant feeling. So these sankharas as they get formulated, generate more unpleasant feeling. 
active sankara. So, and so that goes on. Then we get activated how to how to change to get rid of that unpleasant feeling. Well, the strategy really is to directly sense the feeling and manage it. Manage the feeling directly. This is satipatthana. Directly manage the feeling. Know the feeling. Penetrate through the movements of the mind. The opinions, the perceptions, the memories, the ideas about others, the ideas about what other people think of you, the ideas about what was or could be or should be. This is all just mist and fog. Often with a lot of feeling in it. But um, it's they're all decoys taking you away from penetrating. Because instead of generating more of these feelings which stimulate more agitation, more sankharas, just builds up and builds up and builds up. You want the way out. <coughs> This is through revealing the feeling, unpleasant, and then being able to sustain one's attention, mindful of that feeling as a feeling, notice the movement. Now this is where sati mindfulness is uh, very valuable because mindfulness is dispassionate. Pleasant or unpleasant, as far as mindfulness is concerned, that's not that's not the topic. You want to know feeling is something that moves, moves us and moves. Pleasant or unpleasant. All we want to know is whether it moves us towards skillful or unskillful states. I want to know how it moves. <coughs> Generally, feeling starts and then rises quite quickly to a peak of intensity. And if there's no reaction, no picking up, no grasping at it, no following it, it then subsides. It hits the peak, and the peak point is when the reaction happens. So, if we can bear with a feeling, when it comes up to its rising, not add more agitation or flurry or interpretation to it. This is very bare awareness. This is void of analysis or complication when the feeling rises, unpleasant. And if you're able to open, stay with sati, so aware of feeling. Is like this, sensing it. The energy of the feeling, instead of moving on to trigger a set of actions, activities, the energy of the feeling dissipates into awareness. Let me take you through that again. Yeah? So the feeling, which is a sudden surge or flicker, picks up quite quickly. Oh. And at a certain point, you know, it comes to where activation begins. We get reactive, we start thinking about it. Now, if we return to that again, you know, as I said, then it comes up, and perception arises, and then the feeling gets intense. At that particular point, you know, lingering. This is a feeling. What is feeling doing? It's, it's pushing, it's pulling, it's tugging, it's flaring, it's firing. It's doing that. Okay. And widening awareness. Awareness is a receptive aspect. Awareness just opens and receives. We receive a feeling. And the energy that's there in the feeling then 
dissipates into awareness. The energy feeling pushes energy. Feeling is the push of energy. That's how we feel something. Something contact decision, some push. That's energy. Yeah. So when it gets intense, it's pushing quite hard. <coughs> and then we get excited. That speeds up. Velocity. Momentum speeds up. Really feeling extremely excited or agitated, upset, angry, desperate, getting really intense, speeding up. Yeah? That means the energy is, is, is peaking, it's coming up to, to high velocity. So that, that will then push the button, if you like, on activation. Some sankara, okay, now we'll act upon that. It's, it's achieved lift off and then it goes into action. This action may be just a thought. Doesn't mean physical action is about that. Right, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, they shouldn't, I'm not gonna you know, I am, I'm not, I wouldn't be, why am I always like this? Why do people treat me like that? And then in this activation, you get so lost in the in the cloud of emotions and thoughts that are creating realities about people and myself and the past and the future and what's right and what's wrong and it shouldn't be this way, that way the, the mind breaks up the clarity breaks up we're just kind of lost in this blizzard of emotions and thoughts and then quite likely one will speak or act upon that but anyway, if you don't see it's really unpleasant <laughs> saturation of energy Distorted, tangled, unhappy energy saturates your system. And you douse yourself once again in regret, irritation, agitation. The whole nervous system gets saturated. You get another soaking of the same stuff. <laughs> and it actually has a bodily effect. You feel gloomy, you feel tense. If you're nervous, you feel agitated, uh, you, feel, or you feel depressed, and that state feels bad, so the whole thing starts again. <laughs> Feeling, and then more agitation, and then more, why am I like this? It's so so's fault, because of where I was, and how people did this, and I shouldn't be there, and I've made mistakes in the past. Here we go again. Another set of sankharas, another saturation in regret. And so on. I'm hopeless, nothing I can do about it. I can't practice at all. I'm failing in a more saturation in negative karma, negative sankharas. <coughs> so important, you know, when you get into these saturation experiences where you just really are thrown, thrown into, into a whirlpool, that's the time you just gotta, yeah, where, wait a minute, where's my body? Like you hang on to a rock somewhere in this whirlpool. Where's the body? Feel your feet. Feel your feet. Feet aren't agitated. Feel your back. Back's okay. Relax your hands. Drop your shoulders. Take a breath. You know, this is like the uh, emergency strategy. So, like throwing something is uh, a lifeline. Get hold of this. Get out of the flood. Get out of the vortex. Still feel quite you know, stirred. So sometimes it's like that, you know. And the recognizing, you just even been doing that, that we come back into the body and just feel that nervous agitation in the body, in the face, in the skin, in the eyes, in the hands, and just keep extending till you go down to your feet, the floor, your back, your shoulders. Take a breath. And then the waves pass over.
You begin to understand something about feeling, and feeling triggers sankaras and emotions. However, deeply convincing it is because it is convincing because by and large our world is built out of that. Our world we carry in our minds is built out of that. If you think of your, you say, okay, try to remember your life. Generally, you remember the one where you felt most felt happy, felt confused, felt miserable, uh, and you know. So you always, your life. When you think of your life, you, you experience the peaks and the troughs. Most of it, you probably didn't remember at all. Probably 95% of it is nothing. But you remember that day in July 20 years ago when da 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 da. So, what kind of life is that? It's the track of your sankara. Once you felt interested, happy, comfortable, warm, or negative. So, your life really is that your life is really then. Sankara, it means conditioned. Your life is conditioned and activated. And it's not true. It's got some truth in it, there's a lot more than that. So we miss 95%. So awakening is really getting the hundred percent. There's the passions and the happy times, the miserable times, the confusion and things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing special. And uh, aiming in practice really is to keep referring to places where there was no particularly strong feeling, the mind felt relieved. Of being pushed or pulled. And you know, if we could do anything in terms of waking and meditation is to, to touch that point where the chitra is not being moved or pushed, just open. Really good to know that. Because this is the bit that we miss. And this is the way or a sign that leads to the deathless, the unconditioned. Not being pushed or pulled. The sign the world in general doesn't recognize. We want the excitement. Or we worry about the painful, and that's the world. But the way out is where the mind is not pushed or pulled. So this can occur when the feeling arises, we notice it, acknowledge it, open around it, open awareness. What is awareness? Awareness is the receptive, that which receives experience. This is an aspect of chitta, heart. Receives, opens to experience. Chitta also reacts and responds, but very fundamental property, it opens and receives. You linger in that and relinquish the reactions, judgments, worrying why it's there, stay in there. The energy of the feeling goes into this open space and dissipates, dissolves. Release the feeling. 
And having done so, you can then review the perception. That which I found to be unfair or improper or stupid or offensive. Is that so? And also, somewhat. Because if you're not being pushed around by it, it's not it's not an issue really. And so these perceptions are based upon measuring. Measuring is the action of manopinyana, that aspect we call mind, mind consciousness. Measuring, naming, referring to, it's like a secretary. This is that, this that. This reminds me of that, that belongs there, that means that, that means that. That's the action of mano, manopinyana. And chitta just receives those impressions. Now this action, manovinyana, measuring, is useful. Uh, it's useful. But we have to really recognize when it just goes to feeling and sankhara with no mindfulness, this is very uh, erratic. Just coming to blind reactions rather than wise assessments. You take, so you want to let the feeling pass and then wisely assess. You know, somebody said this about you, you didn't like it, you didn't enjoy it, you had an unpleasant feeling. How dare they talk to me about that? Okay, go back to the feeling, intense negative feeling. Before you get defensive or justifying or blaming, let the feeling pass, quiet down. I think she's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty stupid thing to do. Oh, yeah, I got it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Or, no, no, that's not true. That's not the way it is. You see, you see clearly without this bias of, of feeling and the sankaras defending yourself or feeling you're a bad person because of one error or one moment of Losing attention is just a moment. It doesn't mean you're an evil person. When you get the Sankaris, it, it takes a moment where perhaps there was a loss of sati or carelessness and it makes a person out of it. Because it, it, it just, yeah, you know. And that, so that makes something permanent person out of what was a moment. And do we need to have a permanent person? <laughs> what is such a thing? Is there one? Imagine, I like to be totally steady, comfortable, calm, composed all the time. That's that's the real me. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so you have this kind of background idea of what we could or should be, which nobody's ever been. You've never been it. Nobody's been it. You have this idea that's what you should be. It's not even an idea, it's a kind of background impression. The thinking mind measures it against this, this abstract idea. I think that's even looking over your shoulder at yourself. No, oh, it didn't come up so good, did it? Compared with the idea. But the idea 
lives in the realm of ideas. It doesn't live in the animated living experience. The best it can give you is some a vague, you know, reference point to, but reference point to behaviour, not to a person. Yeah. So wait a minute, and then that reference point has to be continually not held as an idea, but informed, like you know, by what by wisdom. You know, informed by wisdom, so we recognize, yeah, well, look at that again, I refer to that, I can recognize there were certain unwholesome qualities there. So you're referring to something, it's actually, you directly know, it's not an idea. Wait a minute, we refer to that again, yeah, definitely there was some blurring, some hastiness, some you know, unskillful states. Okay, got it. Then you you really could have navigation errors, right? Need adjusting there. So you're referring to something that's actually known rather theorized. Actually known. Because you know the feeling of that when that moved went to an unskillful place. Why is it unskillful? It's good. What's the difference between unskillful and skillful? Well, unskillful, you can, the movement for which unskillful is generally um, compulsive, it's a rush. It's got no wisdom in it. There's no moderate, careful, open attention to it. It's a blind blur. It's a reaction. Yeah. So that's how you know it in the beginning. Sublime reaction cannot be skillful because it needs to be skillful, it has to have the property of wisdom, <laughs> which means there's some sense of an open attention to that that's keeping it steady. If that's not there, you know, it may feel good, but it moves to fast with no wisdom associated with it. That's how you know it in the beginning. Then how do you know in the middle? Because it picks up velocity. It starts becoming, it's dragging you. It becomes, it's like a runway train. It's dragging you. you know? So you, you're caught in it. It's got attachment in it. It's got clinging. It, it, the mind narrows down and focuses on it. It's held by it. That's what it's like in the middle. What it's like in the end, train crash. Train goes off the rails. Uh oh, oh regret. And feeling that the mind feels fragmented and um, 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 weighed down, unskillful. <coughs> because the mind is made whole, uh, not through through this sense of openness. See, the whole. See, the, the chitta is not the sankara. The chitta has sankara. Sankara is the, is the movement through it. But the chitta itself is essentially just open. Open awareness. And these movements move through it. Now, if we experience a movement of volition, of intention, of motivation, and there's an openness, we sense also there's openness around it, then this is probably not a bad way to begin. It means naturally then you can stop, change, change direction because you're open. So that's a skillful place to begin. What's it like in the middle? In the middle you can feel the effect of something uh, like a, uh, a gathering of skillful qualities such as resolve, such as uh, goodwill, uh, such as clarity, such as faith. You begin to experience good qualities gathering around that. Good, yeah. And then in the end, it arrives at somewhere where the chitta is still whole, not broken up, not scattered, feels steady, feels satisfied. Ah.
to satisfied. Wholesome means your mind is left whole, not broken up with regret or doubt. So those that definitely these to be cultivated. Yeah, so if we take a moment of thought of goodwill, for example, very simple, and we can recognize that, because yeah, starts off with some sense of something arises, goodwill feels pleasant. Feels pleasant. Okay. But then you're open to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Letting it you're aware of that quality of agreeable and then you, you've got some sense of moderate movement on that. It's not impulse not compulsive sense of just opening to possibility of acting upon this. So the mind opens up. The energy is suffusive rather than incisive. Whereas compulsive action is generally blazed like a lightning bolt. Like that blaze like a bolt of lightning. Skillful actions open like the sun at dawn. Joy arises, clarity arises, faith arises. So then in the middle, these other skillful qualities begin to gather around that. So then there's that movement of skillfulness arise. It's a feeling we've gathered around that faith, mindfulness, wisdom, collectiveness. Mind settles and feels whole. Sometimes unskillful states arise with a pleasant feeling, feeling associated with gratification, feeling associated with getting rid of what we don't like. That feels pleasant in a certain way, but it's a kind of burning. It's not a warming, it's a burning passion. So you sense burning then runs through the heart. Whereas skillful feeling, it's, not, it's a different kind of feeling, it doesn't burn, it warms. Now there can also be unpleasant feeling, which is skillful. Which is uh, meeting something that's difficult, we don't enjoy it. Again, what happens? Skillful factors arise around it. You know, understanding, wisdom, recognition is important. It's not pleasant, we have to bear with this. With this, skillful factors arise around it. Mind feels strong, mind feels resolute, uh, not hasty steady and we move through unpleasant when we feel saddened when we feel despondent these are not agreeable you experience that it's not the time to collapse the time to resolve this unpleasant feeling So we understand feeling, we're wise about feeling, we know the power of feeling, we don't take feeling lightly, feeling is not something you want to play around with, just get infatuated with, nor is it something you should fear or reject. It's a natural attribute of our intelligence, it's the motivating influence of our life, don't play around with it. Feeling moves into sankara. This is the time to be careful, wise, aware, and carefully handled. Skillful feeling, feeling that's pleasant, skillful to be followed through, and it arrives at a state of settledness, satisfaction, furtherance, enrichment. So this is a 
your handling this is very significant. Now, if we contemplate our thinking mind, you know, that's a buzz of thoughts, very simple practical example, mental feeling is a strong one, buzz of thoughts, you know, shut up, don't want this, stop it, go away, unpleasant feelings. <laughs> okay? So don't get lost in the thought, just notice whether you like it or don't like it. And this feeling may not be that strong, but ask yourself, would you like more of this or less of it? If you like think I'd like less of it, that means it's unpleasant. <laughs> you can bear it, but it's not something you really enjoy. So okay, so it's unpleasant. And then when it's unpleasant, unpleasant feeling. Uh, notice the that would tend to go into a, a formation, a sankara of of despond or failing or overwhelmed and then that's what happens. But if it's like feeling this unpleasant feeling, it's unpleasant, okay, go to the feeling of it, stabilize yourself in your bodily presence, keep referring to the feeling, not the thought, but what the thought is doing, not the topic of the thought, not the fantasy or the dread, but the feeling that it generates. Hold your attention there, and the peak of that will then decline. Rise up and decline. And you've moved past the push of feeling. So you think your mind is bringing up topics that disappoint, frustrate, or excite. Don't go into the topic, go to the feeling. Feeling rises into some sort of intensity. That particularly is the time to pause, to open, and hold steady. Use your body to hold you steady. Do that, the energy of the feeling will gradually dissipate. And the clinging relaxes. Dissolves. And then you're liberated for that moment, and that's what it's like. That's what it's like. So, one who really understands and learns to manage feeling has come a long, long way in this Dhamma discipline. Their life has not been wasted. So let's continue our practice, bodily feeling, mental feeling, and uh, the understanding of it.